Warning. ProTri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended by what is said please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out and try again. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and some stories may be dramatized for comedic effect. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pro Try News. I'm your host Kyle Glass. Uh, I started training in the last three weeks and Pat's motivated me to start riding more. So Pat, how you feeling? I'm feeling amazing. I uh, I just got back from doing hill repeats. I came home and my new protocol is I've got I chug a big glass of chocolate milk and then I chase it with a ketone and I'm not hungry till dinner. So I eat really well on the ride, did my efforts. Uh, and the big the big thing for me today is, is that it's parent teacher conferences and they <laughs> requested that the some parents, they said, Hey, we were going to, we would like, if you fed the teachers, we're going to do a chili cook off. We're going to have a winner. Like we're going to, you know, reward whoever makes the best chili. And I'm like, Hey, all I heard is chili cook off competition. And I, I signed up faster than you could imagine. So <laughs> last night I made my, my Texas chili, which I love. And my wife, uh, really doesn't. And so I think that I'm going to get a blue ribbon, gold star, whatever you want to call it tonight come uh come the big vote so that's that's what i got going on today i think we're, we're joined by an absolute legend today as well uh kyle smith thank you for coming on and and we want to hear how you're doing and we're we're thrilled to have you on the show oh, cheers guys parent teacher organizations eh? the real pto the real pto the uh, good catch good catch absolutely the the uh the the original pto um that and paid time off so um yeah uh, yeah we um that, that sounds like uh the times have caught up my parents just got slandered for my behavior at school and then got sent home they didn't have any kind of chili cook-offs or anything <laughs> hey i'm in the same boat on that so that's amazing we'll see uh, just to give everyone a little bit of background on Kyle Smith, um, he's kind of done all the distances, short, medium, and long. Uh, he's won at basically all the different levels, junior aquathon world champion, all the way to U23 cross world champion, two-time winner at 70.3 Topaw, Taupo. I think I get in trouble every time I say it. So, um, But Topaw. And probably an early favorite for 70.3 Worlds coming hot off his win at uh, Challenge Wanaka recently. So, Close. Wanaka. <laughs> <laughs> Names just trip me up. They just trip me up. I'm just a dumb American. So, um, Kyle, biggest and most important question out first. Are you going to win home 70.3 Worlds next year? That's I put a big red ring around it on the calendar, and that's going to be everything I work towards this year. I mean... To have a 70.3 Worlds in your home country is super amazing, having any of those athletes. You know, if it comes to the U.S., they always get that boost. But when it's in your actual hometown of 25,000 people um, and the town that got me into triathlon in the first place, like that's the reason I'm in the sport is literally because of the town. To have a world champs at home, uh, four years post uh, we were supposed to have it, is going to be super amazing. So, yeah, I'm going to do everything to... <laughs> stop some of these Olympic athletes coming up and racing and taking a, taking a title. Eh? That's awesome. Um, so 
something that I've discovered, you don't really do a whole lot of media or anything like that. You recently started, I don't know how recent, but um, you just started uploading kind of on YouTube and things like that. And I, I personally love your YouTube channel. Who's doing that for you? Uh, that's my girlfriend, Kira. Oh, She's nice. uh, a lot better on that kind of site than I am. It's actually her job is that in general. So then I somehow convinced her to <laughs> spend race days behind the camera and then the next three days after the race editing. So yeah, I got her to thank for that. Yeah, it's just, you know, when the sponsors start, every time you have a call with them, they're like, oh, what are you going to do sort of media-wise, Kyle? And you're like, oh, <laughs> I need to start something to give back. You know, my race results last year didn't exactly uh, make the dollars. So, yeah, just trying to get, I guess, like the another the modern triathlete, right, is just having that sort of uh, wing on, yeah, the outlet. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, for a while, you were Jan Ferdino's right-hand man, right? How, how long did you train with him for? I'd say about two years, sort of on and off. Obviously, um, from the back end of 21 until he retired, really. Um, but obviously, like you said, I was doing some other shorter distances, but also some of our race calendars are lined up. So I was sort of in and out of quite a bit. We'd do quite a few camps together, and then you know I wasn't there. 24 7 with them but yeah just when i could and go up and help and you know it was great we got along really well we trained really well together and yeah like it was always good times when i went up to andorra or whatever to get good training camps in and you know it was awesome to see him when the us open last year to sort of like go out on a high if that makes sense yeah what what was it like being with him like in the day-to-day thing like what's he what like makes him tick is he kind of like the tom brady of like I think about my competitors constantly or is he just like, I'm just going to bang out and do whatever I need to do. Like, do you guys talk about those things like on those long rides and stuff? Yeah. I think the one thing that struck me most about Jan is he's like, I've trained with a lot of athletes now um, sort of all over the world. And I'd say he was the person that would go above and beyond all the time. You know, like he was the kind of guy that was willing to do the things I guess that other people aren't as in, you know, if the pool was closed, he'd do an hour on the Vazarek and it was just like, it was meticulous. It was very, there was this underlying sense of like, I have to get this done because there's, I guess, pressure on my back. But I think that came sort of internally, the internal expectations, the internal like drive, especially in that last year, I think he didn't want to go out sort of with a, a run of sort of niggling injuries or whatever. But yeah, he was the guy that was doing everything and everything to, uh get race ready and get into good shape and it was definitely like really motivating to be around i definitely sort of you know learned a lot and yeah took that and now and gets into my career now that i'm sort of going forward and finding my own way like he but and he was also super relaxed about it too like we always had fun like if the training wasn't fun it was like pretty annoying like you know if we'd always just have banter it wasn't super meticulous. It wasn't super, I guess you could call it a type personality. It wasn't sort of, you know, the stories of some of the athletes back in the day and they go for five or six hours on the bike and not say a word to each other. And that we were just having a lot of fun. We were sort of, yeah, shooting the shit quite a lot of times. So yeah, I think that's what made us sort of tick well as training partners outside the training. Beautiful. And then Kyle, do you know, you obviously you're the main goal this year is 70.3 worlds uh, at home, but, Walk us through the rest of your calendar and what it looks like for you uh, for the for you know we're starting 2024. But what does the year look like for you? Uh, it's such a hard year to plan for. Like I've tried to make a plan like three or four times now, and I've sort of got like a 
three different plans basically like if a works out then b doesn't have to happen but yeah like i always wanted to race here at home i skipped ironman new zealand this weekend i'm sure we'll get into it soon but i was just sort of thinking like you know if it's kind of like one of those things with this year being so big with the t100 series with the ironman series with even like the challenge series for example it's such a big year to choose from so i'm not on the t100 or i haven't you know got a call up yet for anything but hoping to hopefully sort of get my foot in the door there and if that opportunity arises then hopefully you know be ready to go when that happens i feel like with those things if you get in if you get into the series if you get into the race and you have a good one then i think then you sort of be there to stay whereas if you go and you know come in and you've been racing here there and everywhere and you come in a bit under them then like i think you sort of waste your opportunity really yeah, that certainly seems to be in line with what we've been, you know, seeing and, you know, hearing the whispers for who the wild cards are going to be and and ultimately the spots are going to be filled. So I think we'll we'll touch on that later. But uh, yeah, Kyle, I think that's a great intro. Uh, I'm going to clarify Kyle Smith. That's a great intro. And I think we've got to let's get into some results and some recaps. And uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. So uh, this episode of Pro Tri News is brought to you by TeleRx. TeleRx is an online service that seamlessly lets you obtain an online prescription and medication in minutes. Their licensed and certified doctors only require the information necessary to prescribe. That means no phone calls, no photos, no videos, or lengthy questionnaires. TeleRx offers next-day delivery on over 80 prescription meds, including birth control, glucose monitoring, Ozempic, Retin-A, Tamiflu, Viagra, and z packs No insurance hassle and a fast access to meds that keep you feeling your best. So use code PTN to take 30% off on all products at TeleRx.com. Kyle, the biggest thing that I saw this weekend, you know, whether it's the, the World Cup in Napier or the Conti Cup uh, in Cuba was there's a lot of full fields and people that are are hunting and chasing Olympic points as this second period of Olympic points in that qualifying window uh, is starting to close because you can see, I think it's May 28th on the horizon. So there was, even at the Conti Cup that my wife was at this weekend, there was a lot of talk of the athletes of saying, hey, this is a, this is full point Conti Cup race. I'm here because I need some points because I'm trying to move up in the ranking to, uh, you know, to to earn a spot ultimately to go to the Olympics. And so that was the theme for me this past weekend. And and looking at future start lists is you've got a lot of athletes really chasing the Olympic points, but a couple big surprises for me, when we look at world cup up here, and this was a new location. So the world cup that's taken place uh, for probably the better part of 15 years has been in new Plymouth, New Zealand. And this is switched to the opposite side of the North Island in Napier. We had on the men's race, we had Callum McCluskey, uh, who's does quite well in the Oceana races early on in the year. He won the race. Uh, Hayden wild was, was second. And those were, those were probably the big results uh, and the big things that we noticed. Surely Hayden Wild at home would have loved to have won, but Kyle Smith, is it a surprise to you that Callum McCluskey came, came away with the win? I think Callum's an incredible athlete. And like you say, he always does well down here in Oceania. I think like one thing for like us sort of like Oceania down under uh, athletes is that, 
when we head overseas, it's actually quite hard. And that's why when I made the decision to have a base in Europe, then it sort of made things a lot easier. But like I know for Callum, he comes over to wherever he comes to Bagnoles or Girona with his coach, Danielle. And living out of a suitcase, out of an Airbnb, as you kind of know, Pat, like it's pretty hard, eh? And so, and you're away from home, you're on the wrong time zone. You've been racing since December, November of the year before. And when it, I guess, comes crunch time, in the European races, it's like, yeah. So Callum is an incredible athlete. I think, you know, he's definitely one to watch. Um, he's an incredible runner. I found that out last year in the Wanaka Conti Cup when he ran like 30 seconds quicker and ran through the groups when we weren't even sort of worried about him. So, yeah, like gutted for Hado. Like, you know, what an incredible run. I mean, to run 13.50 and still get second, like, you know, just sort of highlights that. Um, he just needs to work on his swimming a bit, but I guess the lucky thing is for Hado that he has swum super well um, in the past. You know, he's been front pack out of, like last year, Kegliari was front pack, um, Yokohama, getting close there, you know. And so, uh, and then at the Com Games two years ago, he was almost first out the water. So when he puts the work in for his swimming, he knows he can bring it back up. And then his running's obviously impeccable and his riding's impeccable. So I think he's not worried. Like, it's, we've yeah. still got a long time to the Olympics. And yeah. to peak now is just, yeah. And who knows what the swim was like. You know, sometimes, obviously, when they're swimming open water in the ocean, you can just have these weird things that happen with a current. And if you have you pick the left because you thought it was going to be faster and all of a sudden something weird happens, um, yeah, these things happen. And, and they happen to, to athletes even like a Hayden Wild, who's, you know, very dominant and at the pointy end of the sport. So, uh, again, I wanted to make a, a mention to Alberto Gonzalez was was third place. Uh, but maybe I'll get in can this I, when we talk. Can I say something crazy? Can I say something yeah. crazy about Hayden's race? I heard, I heard a rumor. I don't know if this is true or not, but I did hear a rumor that he wore his form goggles in the race to swim open water. I don't know if they were the new version 2 form goggles or the older form goggles. However, I have swam in a pool with those, and while the display is fantastic, your visibility is less than fantastic. Kyle, yeah, what, yeah. Do, what do you got? You're not, you're not in your head. Yeah, I saw him coming out of the water. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you wearing form goggles in the race? I wonder what he had displayed, you know, like, is it just heart rate, like, through the roof, or like... <laughs> Amazing. It could have just been the data. Like I, I heard on the version two, it can just store data, so it can store like your heart rate and your stroke and things like that. So mm-hmm. maybe it's something like that. But I don't. I couldn't remember if Hayden was a super data driven athlete that he wanted to get that information, or if he's just trying to make his new partner happy. So I'd say so. I'd say it's the latter. Um, but as well, we saw with Hano last year too. Like he didn't have the great swim in Abu Dhabi. I think he comes back to New Zealand. He's got a great run crew here, like a um, couple of Olympians in the running, and hence why his running just goes next level. So I think, like as you know, with triathlon, it's such a balancing act between the three. And um, you know, when his running goes up, I guess his swimming must have come down a little bit. I swam with him the Monday before, and he was saying like, "Oh man, I'm not swimming that good at the moment." And I said, "You know, it's the perfect time to not be swimming good right now. Like we're still, however, we're six months away from the Olympics. Like there's just no point. Like of course you want to win at home. It's great. Like a World Cup at home, you want to cross the line first. But you got one race this year and one race only, and that's Paris." in august yeah Yeah. and i think uh you know that brings us to the women's race so big win for sophie lynn who's she's from australia but she's boulder based and so that was it's a big trip for her to go to a early season world cup um and 
we've had a we've had a great winter here weather wise, and so that's that was on display with her win, followed by two Brits, Sophie Eldon and Olivia Matias, uh, in second and third. Uh, you know, we haven't seen this for a while. I don't know exactly when was the last time we saw an Australian uh, sweep with the win at a World Cup. Uh, you know, both on the men and the women's side simultaneously. Do we? Do we believe, you know, that this performance from Callum and, and Sophie, is this enough to have the Australian selectors, like, think about them for the Olympics? Certainly, uh, it doesn't hurt their chances, but is this, did they did they really make it clear here that, hey, they're, they're in the realm of who they, you know, when they pick the team? I'd say it's probably... Yeah, it is. Also, that's a great, you know, credit against their name for the games. But I also think that like, Abu Dhabi coming around next weekend is going to be the ultimate sort of litmus test, and it's who can sort of fire one across the bow and those athletes out of the gun at the highest level. And then obviously they have, I think, Yokohama then to sort of solidify that spot. Um, you know, World Cups are always a funny one, especially down here. Some you get a strong field like we were alluding to before, but it's there's levels to it, right? And the WTS is on another level. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, but if certainly if they have a solid performance at the, well, the question would be is Callum, does he even have the points to get into, to uh, Abu Dhabi? But I know for a fact, uh, Sophie Lynn's on the list. So yeah. Yeah. Callum, Callum's on the list. Okay, cool. Cool. Great. So if they back that up there, obviously they've shown some early season fitness and form that, the selectors would be quite excited about. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Other not than that, not uh, only that, they also swept, swept the uh, team relay, which there is a little bit of, I talked with uh, a couple of my <laughs> coaching friends. You could probably read between the lines. He's probably uh, to tell who it is, but he coaches a uh, federation and was very frustrated because his team has now dropped in the points ranking because this world cup had WTCS relay points. So, it was graded as a, at a higher rank for the relay, but then the WT or the World Cup, I guess, was at a lower tier point bracket. So now, I'll just say the Norwegian Federation now to have a relay team for the Olympics has to perform really freaking well at this WTCS race coming up in Abu Dhabi. Because now Italy has got a bunch of points. Australia now has got a bunch of points. And Portugal yep. now got a bunch of points at this race, yep. being on the podium. Yep. Yeah. So. If you yeah, if you took a chance and you and you made the travel down to Napier for the and, and thinking about the relay and you performed there, it, it paid off big time. So, um, I mean, they flew. I mean, I feel bad for Vasco Velaka. He flew all the way down there. I think just for the relay itself. I mean, he raced the individual, I believe, but. Uh, his biggest thing was just racing the, yeah. um, racing the relay. So yep. crazy, crazy stuff. Um, moving on, we also had the Husky Triathlon, uh, big grassroots race down in Australia. Uh, Radka Caulfield won, or sorry, Radka. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Rav, Radka Caulfield. Yeah. So she won the women's race uh, as her first win since 2020. Um, seems to be returning back to form. And then Henrik Goch, he won his first race ever. Now, if you don't know a lot about him, uh, he d- has podiumed a few Ironmans over the years and is also from Finland. Um, he's raced exceptionally well, um, just like sporadically. So hats off to him for getting the job done and uh, winning ahead of some Aussies that were doing the race. 
Kyle, have you thought about doing that race? Husky try? Oh, it's just another one. It's actually not that easy to get from New Zealand to Australia. It's not as easy no. as you think. It's still a four, five hour flight. And especially up there, you know, like it's still like you do a day of traveling just to get there. It's almost easier to fly to LA. Yeah. I've been, I, I'll tell you what though, Kyle, I've been to, you know, where that race is for, they put, there's a whole grassroots series. So there's a Husky triathlon, but leading into that, there's a whole bunch of triathlon, uh, great races before it and great races after it. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing part of Australia. Uh, you know, just still very remote, insanely beautiful. The water's uh, amazing for it. Bike course and run course are super fast. So, yeah, if you can get there for it, that's always a big, uh, big weekend for the sport. Dang, that's awesome. Moving on to the Conti Cup in Cuba, Patrick. Congratulations to your roommate winning the women's race. <laughs> um. Yeah, also known you. as your wife, beginning right. the Olympic campaign, uh, doing a little bit of rust buster before the race in Abu Dhabi. Um, big potential for earn, either earning her slot over the next two races or uh, putting in a big, big push for a discretionary slot. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then on the men's side, James Edgar won the race, his third in a row, out sprinting another American, Dar Smith. So. Did your wife? So I'm confused a little bit. So they got paintings from the race. Dar's painting is a naked woman, is right? That, is but, yours? Um. Yes. Yeah, so she, you know, Gwen told me she said, "Hey, can you in my bike bag?" She goes, "Can you?" I'm a nervous to check. Can you go check on this painting I got? Um, I, I really hope it survived the flight. And I was like, uh, I didn't really think much of it because sometimes you go to these you go to these races and you get these kind of, you know, prizes that are weird or you don't, and you don't really think much of it. Um, and I pulled the painting out of the bike bag and I'm like, yep, it's a, looks cool. It's great. Uh, it's, it's, it's this abstract thing. It's, it's beautiful. And, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't know anything about art and, uh, Gwen's sister just says, Hey, send me who the artist is. And she looks up the artist, uh, and, the the minimum that you can find any of this person's art for uh the cheapest piece that i found was $7500 whoa and so uh yeah really blessed that that this was that this was a gift from the from the from the race in cuba and we're going to get it put into a much nicer frame and we're going to we've got a spot that we're going to display it in our house so yeah super super cool uh, collection piece and uh we're officially art collectors now but my question is 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 dar is a male and got a naked female no like idea no idea how you no, haven't no. looked at I'll what show it you. is no i'll show you i'll show you okay put it up in front of the camera a little bit i just want to make sure you don't have like naked no men it's or whatever right here it. yeah, yeah no it's it's it's, it's cool isn't yeah, it they're definitely some phallic shaped uh yeah yeah there you go. <laughs> there's so, just eggplants eggplants into the painting yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd pay seven seventy five hundred dollars for that kyle yeah. don't they don't don't uh don't tempt me i'll send it over if you've been <laughs> um all right we're gonna take a brief break since the year is new it's time for some new habits you can start that by taking AG1 with 10 ounces of water or your favorite beverage. I can honestly say that I feel better than when I started four weeks ago. I suck at taking vitamins and pills, so one scoop of AG1 has allowed me to fill my nutrient gaps daily. 
It's allowed me to have more sustained energy throughout the day, cutting out my afternoon energy drink, and is a powerful, easy-to-use thing each and every day that can be seamlessly included in your routines. AG1 is a supplement that we trust to keep our body with what it needs each and every day. And I'm excited to welcome them on as a new partner for this year. I wanted, If you also want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 drops, which promotes healthy bones, and five free AG1 travel packs. So you're never without it when you're at the races. With your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1 forward slash protrinews. That's drinkag1.com forward slash protrinews. Well, uh, Kyle, have you ever had AG1 before? I have. Uh, Brandon's an ambassador for AG1. So you're just stealing his AG1 every morning. I was pretty skeptical, eh? I was like, I don't know. And then I tried it, and I was like, oh, it's actually really nice. Like, it's actually really good. I feel like everyone's super scared because they've had, like, horrible greens, and it just, like... It's like kind of like limey tasting. I feel like I don't know. I've been taking it for like a month, over a month now, well over a month. So I feel like it's the taste has grown on me. But I've That's done it. I've done protein. it with water. I've done it with smoothies. I've done it with protein shakes. Like I, I feel like it's it works pretty good. So just but, raw dogged it up the nose. Yeah, yeah, just just sit there and snort it. That'd be good. <sighs> well, let's move on to the big race, marquee race for the weekend. Uh, is Ironman New Zealand. It is the first Ironman race of 2024. There's three Kona and Nice slots. Um, it's also the 40th year, 40th anniversary for the race. So, um, super exciting. Kyle, you want to tell us about the landscape and what it's like racing there? Um, yeah, it's obviously it's my hometown. It's pretty special. It's weird that I'm not there. I'm, <laughs> I'm down in Wanaka. My partner's getting some dental work done, so she, you know, we're down here, uh, and I wasn't racing, so I was like, saved myself a flight. Um, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing venue. Like, you, I think the guys and everyone will see it at 7.3 Worlds later in the year, but crystal clear glass waters that you can drink out of, you know, you can let you get a cup and drink out of the water, uh, surrounded by mountains. The bike course out to Ripperar and back is, yeah, I mean, it's nice and rolly in the countryside, nice and flat, um, pretty good. Hard roads, like, it's the one thing I think people get surprised by when they come to New Zealand is they sort of see the course profile and they go, oh, yeah, that'll be pretty easy. We'll ride pretty quick on this course. But the dead nature of our roads is just basically it's glorified gravel. And so, yeah, really tough, really beats you up and really fatigues you coming off the run. And then... Yeah, the run, um, four laps out the lake front and back, basically. And so beautiful, beautiful run course. But again, it's on uh, like a cobbled, kind of a cobbled-ish uh, boardwalk. And so, yeah, it really beats you up as well. Um, so it's going to be, it's always a hard day out there, a lot harder and a lot slower than people think. Who who are you, you going to take? Who are you betting on? I've been training with Brayden for the last month and a bit, and so oh yeah, like yeah, a... he's gonna break your knees if you don't pick him because you're. <laughs> oh no, he won't. But uh, I, I just think you know he's in good shape. Like I uh, came down here and sort of like, yeah, we've been swimming really well together. Um, he's in really good swim form. So I mean, when he's on good swim form, like you know, he pretty much let out the water in Nice. Um, 
which is incredible for someone from his background. The way he, if you look at him go up and down the pool, you think, how, how can this guy make a front pack? He just beats up and down, up and down with the most determination. He does ten, <laughs> he does ten more strokes per twenty-five than I do, which is just incredible. Way. So um, he's just moving his arms just as fast as possible, smacking it like a kayaker, right? Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, so, and then he's on, always on great run form. I mean, the, what was it that he did in Cairns last year, like a 236 on that course? It's like, oh, it was incredible. So I think he's in great shape. Um, obviously, it's quite a small field, and so you get kind of left a bit exposed, like last year. Obviously, Magic Mike attacked him on the bike and left him a bit exposed out there. But, yeah, I think this year will be pretty similar. Obviously, a bit of a better field this year with Steve, with – Nick with a uh, young guy, young American, Colin Jack, who's been down here in Wanaka training uh, on his debut Ironman. He's actually staying at my parents' house, so hopefully uh, the, oh, wow. the tap water up there will do him good, you know? Yeah, there you go. That's great. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preview and see what I think how the race will go. You can tell me how incorrect this is. So how I foresee this happening out of the water will probably be Braden, Big Mike, Justin Metzler, Nick Heldorn. Fastest bike split will maybe be Mike Phillips. Fastest run split will maybe be Steve McKenna. I talked to uh, Jack Pe- Kelly before this, and I guess Steve now has a new coach, so there's no real no telling where he's going to be. Um, but I feel like that's probably how I foresee the race happening. You could tell me I'm wrong, but <laughs> yeah, probably. Do we know anything, uh, Kyle Smith, about the weather forecast this weekend? Is you know New Zealand is known to have some insane wind. You can get all four seasons in a day. Is there anything that we can expect like that uh, this coming weekend? I think it's pretty good. I eh? I think like the weather the last when you came here, Pat. For some reason, February, January, February now, New Zealand is just wild. Like the winds are just insane. And then yep. get to March, April, like when you were here last year, it was how incredible was that? Like 12 degrees on race day, like horrible, horrible. Yep. But uh, no, I think the weather forecast is looking really good. They've had great, still calm days for the last two weeks. So I think it's going to be a perfect day out there. Yeah, perfect. Um, and Kyle, maybe walk us through the women's race on what we can expect. Uh, there and and then i'd like to you know maybe talk just quickly about what it would mean for a lot of these athletes trying to qualify for either kona or nice but to punch that ticket uh early in the year like this and then how that could you know really change the course of their year yeah so defending champ els visters racing um you also have bet clark who will probably be first out of the water followed by chelsea sidaro bailey watkinson who will be one of the biggest question marks because she doesn't do a whole whole lot of full ironman races um, and then the biggest question mark as far as that would be how far out of the water is Els Visser. Cause we know that that's not her strong suit. So, um, maybe fastest bike split. You're looking at someone like Jocelyn McCauley or Meredith Kessler, one of the Americans maybe, um, without having Hannah Berry there. I think that, um, the bike group may not get split up as much, uh, don't know as far as the run, how the day will end, but Chelsea Sodaro more than likely will have the fastest run. Um, for me, my predictions, I, I think Amelia Watkinson is going to win the race. Chelsea Sodaro second. Elsvisser third. Dark Horse is going to be Beck Clark. And then also Jocelyn McCauley, who now has a new coach as well. 
Yep. No, I think you nailed that, Kyle. I think I'm going to take Chelsea Sodaro for the win on this one, but um, you know, I think you've got uh, some some really interesting races on tap this coming weekend, and uh, you, you know, all these women when you when you do an Ironman, the, the idea is to <laughs> you don't get to do a lot of them, so you want to do really well, and then there's because there's so much high quality racing this year. If you can punch that ticket early and you're good to go, it really frees up a lot of other opportunities. We'll get, we'll talk about this later in hot takes, but especially on the female side, because there's so many wild card opportunities with the T100 series uh, and there's going to continue to be. So if you get a, if you're not, if you're outside of the series and you can pop a big result at a big race like this, you're certainly putting your hand up and saying, Hey, T100 series. I'm ready. I just won this race. Let's, let's go. Let's, I've got, I want to take an opportunity later on. So that's my thoughts on it. And I think that's why we're going to see some, some great racing in New Zealand this weekend. Yeah. It's very interesting. Like even Amelia, I guess, decided to skip out Miami to do Ironman New Zealand. She's a T100 contracted athlete and decided to kind of skip those first ones, which is quite interesting having the year that it is like to skip the early ones, I think is like, it's a risky move for the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, meals coming in hot, I guess, uh, kind of a hometown niche race, uh, for her. So yeah, that'd be great to see her out there. And ours has been in Topor for now for a couple of months training and had, had a great homestay there. So she probably knows the course inside out and she showed in challenge one ago, what form she's on. I mean, I think she came out the water five minutes down and then, pretty quickly sort of ate that up on the bike and then had also the fastest run split to win by a big margin. So I think Els is super on form, um, obviously going really strong. And yeah, there's a, quite a few cool athletes to watch out there. Barbara Riveros, I think, is doing one of maybe her first Ironmans out there as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that day unfolds. Yeah. Um, I think that we can maybe talk about a little bit of what's going to happen next weekend in Miami. Um, We're going to do a pre, this is a pre preview, pre preview show. A pre preview show. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let's do it. I, I, I mean, we've been, we've been texting about it in the group chat for, for weeks. And so this, this does earn it's deserved a, uh, a pre preview. And so I, I think this is going to blend into hot takes uh, and, Kyle Glass, you're the boss. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. So, uh, as far as Miami goes, we've got, I don't know if I would say word or rumor. Uh, so, Ashley Gentles maybe going to race, maybe not. Taylor Nibbs doing the WTCS race. Lucy is a maybe. Uh, Laura Phillip, I believe, said she's not racing until, like, the San Francisco race. Yep. Um, Kat's obviously racing. Paul is racing. Um, just going down the list. Chelsea Sidaros doing Ironman New Zealand, so it's inferred that she probably will not be doing the race in Miami. Same with Amelia Watkinson. So all in all, supposedly there's eight slots for the women that are available, which is almost half of the uh, whole roster. I don't know if that's necessarily what the PTO wanted to do or makes it a good showing for the first race. Um, I personally think that they should have done a little bit more of a closed type of league to be like, Hey, you need to do the first race and you need to do the grand final, but I'm not in charge and that's not my, in my pay grade. I, so, yeah, what we're going to see here is there's certainly, 
working out some kinks and they're learning this process a little bit better. So, you know, we were originally told as of today, we're recording right now. We are 10 days before the first ever T100 race. We have not seen a start list, which, you know, for me, isn't the end of the world because even with the process and protocol that World Triathlon has in place, we know that the first start list we see, especially in like a World Cup, for instance, they're doing, they're using a lot of substitution. So what we see 35 days out can change week of the race. And and so I think we know that. And and it's for, for me, it's not the end of the world if the T100 launches their uh, start list come Monday. But we certainly are flying blind right now and we're speculating who the wild cards are going to be. And we're thinking that on the women's side, they're going to have up to eight. Um, I think what we're seeing already and what we're going to learn is that the athletes that choose to sit out Miami, and so now there's seven races left and they're going to have to do six of them. I do see a world where they regret that decision come later in the year when they choose to want to sit one out. The other thing that we're seeing here that I think we all were speculating or debating on early in the year is, is 20 the right number. And I know that somebody like Kyle Glass, who's on this pod was maybe pushing that it needed to be 25 or 30. But I said, Hey, look, like in a normal year, they haven't been able to fill. They've had to go so deep on the wild cards anyway, to get to 25. I think we're going to see that for now, 20 is going to be the right number, the correct number, and they've got the ability to push it up. So certainly next week when they announce the field, there's going to be some surprises because we have we have Kyle Smith on this pod. We thought for sure he was a wild card for the race. We get him on the pod. We talk off the record. Uh, he's he doesn't know he does he's not a wild card. So that we're in the dark on this, and I think that's going to be um, we're going to. I, think I just want to. Yeah, I mean, I want to hear from Kyle. Kyle's done what two of the PTO races? Canada, US, uh, three, three. Yeah, these are right. So yeah, tell us like your experience and like what it would mean to be able to race and things like that. And what your thoughts are on our inferring of wild cars and whatnot. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like definitely, I don't think there was much more scope for the way they did it for athlete numbers, having contracts. Like I think 20 on a start line is, it's a bit small. I think on the small side, I think it's quite exciting when you have more athletes to, I guess, fill the gaps, but yeah, like, I think it's interesting that they're struggling to fill the spots, especially on the women's side. I guess everyone's a bit like, well, we've just come off winter. We're not in the shape that we want to be in. I don't want to go to Miami and not be in the right shape to win one of these things. So, and especially with the, I guess the, the way the contracts have worked out and the sort of the prize money not being as much now, because obviously that money has gone into the contract. So it's not as enticing, I guess, for a lower ranked athlete to go to one of those races other than the upside for next year. So, for example, for me in Miami, I'd love to race, obviously, but the price money isn't as enticing as it was last year. So if you win one of those things, you win 100 grand, whereas now all that money is sort of tied up in contracts. So basically I'd be going to, you know, try and secure a spot on the roster for the T100 series. And then what does that mean for... For me, for this year, I guess it means a lot for next year to try and get the good points and because you're always going to score really good points at the PTO races. So it's kind of like a thing for the future. So I guess that's probably maybe why they're struggling to fill those wildcard slots because the upsides, you know, I've heard 
some rumours on the female side that they're really scraping the barrel and really digging deep just to try and find anyone to go and race. They're messaging, you know, pretty much everyone and everyone saying, if you want to race here, like, you can go. But a lot of people, like I said, like, it's March. They're not in the best shape that they want to be off winter training, especially if they weren't expecting to race. And then the upsides of that, like I was saying before, if you go and you have a good race, then you're probably, you've got your foot in the door. But if you go and you don't have a good race, then it's probably like, you know, I think triathlon suffers from amnesia quite a bit. Like if you're not relevant in that two to three weeks or that month that um, they make these decisions, then it's kind of like you're out of the, you're out of the game, you know, like, and it's, uh, yeah unless you're a legend, like obviously like Javier or Alistair, then you sort of like, if you're not on form like right then and there, or you're not in the front of their minds right then and there. So yeah, it's going to be quite an interesting year, especially when it comes to, as you know, every season, nothing goes correctly a hundred percent. So, you know, if you're skipping out a couple of the races, like you said, Laura's skipping out two at the start. If, you know, stuff goes sideways at the start, then it leaves the rest of the season pretty vulnerable. Yeah. Um, I'm more intrigued by the three men that are not doing the race. Cause if you look at the, you look at the Ironman New Zealand start list, there's really none of them that are doing the T100 series that are also doing Ironman New Zealand. So I'm more intrigued by which three men are like, nah, I'm not going to race the first race of the year. Um, Martin, cause he's doing, is Martin doing Abu Dhabi? Uh, yeah, Martin's doing Abu Dhabi and then... So then that leaves two other athletes, right? So maybe Max Newman. I don't know what his status report would be because he's not very active <laughs> on social media. So can't, st- can't stalk him too much. Um, so it's very intriguing. I, I feel like they should award early season form, in my opinion. Obviously, you should have got a call fairly recently uh, because you're now two for two in races that you've done. So, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah. But then I, I was a bit of an unknown, too, until Challenge Wanaka. Even I didn't know. Like, I had COVID all through. Yeah. I took the whole of December and started January off because I had COVID. So, I only had basically four or five weeks to get ready for Challenge Wanaka. And, like, I guess when they were making their decisions on Miami, they were like, oh, this guy's just been sick for a month. He's not going to yeah. be on form. So, yeah. you know, that's fair enough, I think. Like, you know, I obviously raced well in Challenge Wanaka, and I'm in good form now. But I guess those decisions were probably already made. Yeah, so I guess Kyle for you, Kyle Smith for you, it would make a lot of sense that if you know we see who the wild cards are when they get announced next week, if they're people that are ranked above you, it makes a whole heap of sense. You know, what's your? You said your current ranking at the start was like roughly in the forties. So if they have yeah. if they have somebody who's twenty sixth and twenty ninth and thirty first, you go, hey, fair play. Um, but if they've grabbed somebody from uh, you know, the fifties or the sixties or the seventies, you may say, you, you may sit there and wonder and go, Hmm, that's perplexing. But the other, the other reality for this is, is they may, they may choose to look at some, if I'm the T100 series, they may choose to look at some geographical components to this as well and say, Hey, we've got, you know, Johnny who's in, uh, you know, in the States already. And that makes it easier. And we think that that's going to help help the race weekend out. So I think with respect to that, there's a lot of, it's going to be a theme. I think that we talk about every time is who's going to be the wild cards and how do they get chosen? And, and we do want to think about, and, and 
maybe you're in the mix for Singapore based on your result at Wanaka, right? So I think uh, that's something that that's front of mind for them as well. So um, I'm sure that Dylan's inbox is full with athletes that are saying, hey, I'm ready. Put me in. Let's go. So I deserve a spot. Give me one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I want it to be that way. Like if it's, if it's not going to be subjective, I want it to be, you know, like it's the next cab off the rank is fair enough. They earned their rankings last year. You know, someone like Yuri, who's ranked 18th, who like, you know, I think narrowly missed out on having a contract. Like, I think it's only fair enough to give them a wild card. And I think maybe they should have like left open a few opportunities for wild cards in the contract. So maybe they should have, you know, either had 20 contracts with athletes and there's two wild cards at every race. And then, yeah. Or something like I that. Said, would, I would have said five wild cards at every race. That's what that's what my opinion was, and I was trying to fight for it all last year. So, but. Mm. um, so yeah, like for me, it's like I think you have to earn these opportunities and earn these things. So, like you know, hopefully, I don't feel like I was saying to Dylan when he was down here at Challenge Wanaka. I was like, I don't feel like I deserve a spot. I don't feel like I earned a spot last year with based on my performance. You know, like my ranking at the end of the year ended up being. 45th or something which isn't you know like that's not good enough to earn a spot and all you can do is do the best race performances you can do and then hopefully you know you're lucky enough to get subject to be a wild card and then once you've been given that opportunity to go and sort of earn it for yourself and kyle smith how important is it for you you know obviously there's a there's still a world ranking component to this t100 series and and right now it's my understanding that there's not a lot of clarity for if you go and do Ironman New Zealand this weekend and you win it, you don't have an understanding right now of how that impacts your world ranking currently. Um, w- would you like a bit more clarity on that and and how that how that could impact your race schedule and what you're picking to try and make your way up to be in the top thirty or top twenty five? You just kind of have to do like the maths, I guess, right? Because it's still the same ranking system as it was last year. So obviously the tiered racing, I think I'm in New Zealand, for example, is a silver tiered racing. I did mostly bronze and I did, you know, for example, I did Ibiza last year as a platinum and then I did a couple of bronze. So then my, even though I had two really strong race performances in the bronze, it didn't, and it, so it shouldn't be rewarded. So yeah, like, you know, you can we'll do the maths and we're doing it at the moment. It's like, you know, do I go and race something like 70 points recent George or do I go and race the Challenge Championships? Both of them are the same tiered racing. They're both gold tier racing, I think. However, you know, it's like, is, um, you know, the strength of field going to be higher in St. George or is it going to be higher in um, Samarin? Or is it, it what, what's the better chance of winning? So you can kind of do the maths around that and sort of, yeah, work that out, um, which is what I'm sort of trying to do at the moment, um, just to basically make the... Obviously, the ideal situation would be going into a PTO race because you can't, <clears throat> you always get really high scores there. And so, you know, if you can get in a couple of those, get into the top 20, and then you set yourself up for next year in 25. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing you say, Kyle Smith, is that if you get called up for Singapore, you want to go. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, for sure. I'm in the sauna every night. You know, I'm already preparing. <laughs> all right. All right. We know that we know that Sam Renouf listens every week. So this is this was the uh, the shout out. You've been training and you're ready. So I, I think, uh, yeah, it's exci- it's exciting times. Before we get into hot takes, I have one more message for us. 
This week's episode is made possible by TeleRx. Kids are going back to school and sickness is constantly knocking down your door. Do you need an easy, convenient way to get prescription medication? TeleRx has you covered. Effortlessly acquire online prescriptions and medication in minutes with their seamless, easy-to-use online service. No need to make any phone calls or take photos or videos or have a questionnaire that's longer than your arm. It's simple. TeleRx offers a next-day delivery on over 80 prescription medications, including birth control, glucose monitors, Ozempic, Retin-A cream, Tamiflu, Viagra, z and more. Use code PTN to take 30% off all products at TeleRx.com. T-E-L-Y-R-X.com. Kyle Smith, how often do you get sick going to races? Or have something that you're like, man, I really wish I had a Z-Pack. I used to get way more sick than I do now. Um, yeah, like just I'd run myself into the ground. But it seems like, yeah, on a bit of nutrition and eating better. And yeah, I'm not a poor student anymore. So I kind of can actually <laughs> afford to eat, not just pasta and ketchup. But yeah, um, that sounds great. All I heard was Viagra and that uh, little monologue there. And then I got <laughs> your photo that you sent me from uh, Darsmith's Cuba winning. Uh, that's definitely hanging on the ceiling above his bed, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's calling up Tellyrx and he's like, yo, I need some Viagra. I got this painting on my ceiling that I need to look at. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you won't need the Viagra of that painting. Yeah, you would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to lead with this hot take. Um, we could probably do an entire episode over this. Uh, it's something that's very serious and hits home for a lot of athletes. Um, I don't know. This might. We talked briefly before the show, um, Kyle, so you're kind of prepped on it. But um, if it strikes a nerve, I would love for you to chime in. So last year, a USAT, USA Triathlon athlete, got an Olympic qualification slot for the male, and he is on bronze level funding. Now, the funding criteria was probably set way far in advance. What I'm advocating for would be something similar to, oh, this person qualified at the test event, and they're on the worst funding possible. We need to have them be as successful as possible next year so that they can win a gold medal for our federation. They need to be on a higher number or a higher level of funding. I mean... I don't know what the dollar amount is for bronze level funding. Pat, you may know more than me, but I, I, I don't think it's very much compared to a gold level funding athlete. No, I think I don't think that there's a huge. Uh, I think bronze level funding is, if I've you know from previous years, is roughly like uh, just under four thousand bucks a quarter. Um, you know, but I the reality is is that there's there's very clear criteria that you have to meet to get each one of those different levels. And so I'm sure that, um, and there's typically like two or three that you have to hit per each one. So my, my belief would be, and I, and I haven't reviewed the, I don't, I've actually haven't seen the criteria, so I don't know, but I would assume that in this case, that athlete had hit one of them, which was to auto earn auto selection for the Olympic games through, through right of performance. Right. So they, they hit it, they earned it, but that could have been one of two or three different things that they had to hit simultaneously. So I think what you've seen there is uh, it's, it's very important to, to hit the criteria and to earn the criteria, but you've got to probably do 
multi layered things to get each one or to level up. So a one-off performance isn't, isn't enough. And so we can argue whether that's right or wrong, but I don't have the criteria in front of me um, to, to lay out that case. And the three of us could say, well, we should tweak it this way or tweak it that way. And, and I think that if the reality is, is I think that if we saw the criteria and we were forecasting for the 2028 games, we would say, Hey, like, the criteria is actually pretty close, right? And we 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 can see we could make a case that they probably got it right because they've had a lot of practice over the years. And so I think what you probably have the greater thing that you have to navigate is that for many nations it's it's a bifurcation of what the men actually can achieve and what the women can actually achieve. So yeah. in the past we've seen countries like um, Australia, for instance, back in the heyday, the women were insanely good and you had multiple women that could hit the criteria where on the men's side, they didn't. Right. And so what you probably can't have, but you wish you could is a separate criteria for each gender based on how you know that they're going to be doing on it coming up in the pipeline. So you see that right now in New Zealand, for instance, Hayden wild is world series uh, world champion capable. New Zealand doesn't really have a female that's capable of winning a world championship in the moment. And so I think that's, that's the balance of, um, of that. And, you know, we saw that last year with Germany, for instance, I think at their peak, Germany had six women ranked in the top 22 in the world. And, and so the depth of, of those nations is something that also needs to be accounted for because what we're trying to figure out and navigate and what Kyle Smith said off air before the show is that these nations, unless you're GB, you don't have an endless pile of money that you can go to. So you're, you're also trying to do some budgeting and you're trying to think about your balance sheet and what you have and who's going to earn from it. So yeah, handful of things that you have to be aware of and, and, and cognizant of when you're, when you're making these performance plans. I think in that kind of scenario though, like it should be, you know, just a bit discretionary. Like you should be able to, for example, for someone, I think we all know who you're talking about is a real metal hope and, Paris and wouldn't you want to give them all of the resource and all of the backing and all of the trust as well to you know if you're going to reward someone with that instead of it sort of being like a you know there's definitely probably a chip in the shoulder there you know it's like I've earned a spot to the games but I'm still on bugger all money I mean 16,000 US a year isn't really enough to live on right and so then you're potentially then having to go and fly to x race y race just to we had that in New Zealand with Nicole as well like you know, last year she was having to fly here, there, and everywhere, everywhere. And you saw like her dominant performance in New Plymouth at the start of the year. But then to financially support the year, she has to then go and race, you know, World Cup here, Conti Cup here, just to try and make enough prize money to, you know, pay the rent and pay the flights and keep, and then race Super League, for example, just to sort of like keep the head above water. And so I've always had this discussion, and I have had this discussion with Triathlon New Zealand for many years. It's the athletes who should be at the top of the pile in this one and they should kind of take priority but unfortunately in a lot of these systems they kind of don't and you know how many times do you see you know and, and they're obviously needed the support staff but 
the Norwegian Federation for many years had, you know, two support staff for the whole federation and then they just put everything behind their athletes and it seems to obviously have worked out. And, you know, for someone like us, we didn't have that and, you know, the athletes also then have to go on obviously race here, there and everywhere, which is detrimental to performance. Yeah. And New Zealand's usually had a very strong contingent of male athletes, like over the years, dating all the way back to Chris Gimmel and Bevan Doherty and things like that. And so um, you're someone that has gone through the short course system and now racing long course pretty consistently. I think last year, did you try and do a couple of short course races last year? Were you trying to go to the Olympics again? Is that what your goal was? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was basically just trying to get there, I guess, (laughs) as my swim bike pedigree. I guess you could probably connect the dots there, Um, which is why I was trying to go uh, for my best mate, really. Um, I just wasn't good enough, unfortunately. Uh, That's a pretty harsh reality of it. Like, these guys are running. I mean, hey, they're running 1350. It's just like, and I had to, we had no criteria for, for me to get there other than, to qualify outright and so i was really trying to qualify outright and i felt like i was on my way um i felt like i was on a on a good path up i was um you know got a couple of contact podiums and sort of working my way up but yeah got a, went to mexico and picked up a bug and that was basically like in that main part of the season where i had to it was kind of like make or break now and ever so got sick there and then yeah basically the pathway there to get into the games closed and so yeah went back to long course yeah new zealand there are they going to get two slots or three slots do you think probably two slots um yeah i think like dylan just made his way i think he's now 26th ranked in the olympic yeah, ranking he jumped, so he jumped a lot he jumped a lot he's incredible athlete um and also taylor so if taylor can you know pull the rabbit out of the hat in abu dhabi and get into himself into the top 30 i think then we'll get three spots but more than likely we'll have two on each from yeah i guess from the relay side of things too yeah do you have some hot takes kyle you want to discuss hot takes (laughs) um not really actually who's your biggest rival my Who biggest is, rival. Well, yeah. I don't really have any, eh? I don't Who do you know. stand on the start line and you're like, I want to whip his ass this today? Oh, do you know what's actually quite funny? Is it was Colin Chartier. It what like this is before <laughs> anything happened. This is actually quite funny. Because like if anyone knows me, I'm like kind of like the guy who floats around everywhere and sort of like always goes around with a big smile on my face and kind of get along with everybody, but yeah, I had this weird feeling about Colin for like for the whole year. Like you know, he was kind of talking shit behind my back, and I'm like, oh, "What? What's this guy's DLA?" Like I just had this funny feeling, and then it came out, and I was like, "Far out, man! I was right." <laughs> like it was like I don't know. It was like he was the only person that I ever was like on a start line going like, "Oh, like he irks me," you know. Like it was it was quite weird, but yeah, maybe I had this like hunch, you know. The prophecy. You got prophecy. The prophecy. The gift the of prophecy. prophecy. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> there we go. Bam. I love that. Um, you know, I think we talked about this mind just for we, – we touched on this already with the start list and the process and the protocols for what these T100 series races are going to look like. Um, and we – my hope would be that there's probably some some clarity and some understanding of, of how they're going to go through that um, through these next – 
couple races because it's you know from what we're hearing is that there's going to be a lot of athletes sitting out singapore and we'd love to just know you know how they're how they're working through that and i think that that providing some clarity there if you're ranked you know even in the 20s and uh, the 30s and you're thinking hey well i'm next on that list but um you know again i'm not i'm not opposed to the start list coming out Monday before the race, because I think by then we'll actually know. And what we don't, what we don't want to fall into a habit of is we don't need these start list 30 days before, because we know that there's going to be some shakeups anyway. But, um, you know, Kyle Smith, you're nodding your head. What do you think is an appropriate release of when these, when these start lists should come out for the T100 series? Yeah, it's really strange. Like I've read both the policy documents from the PTI and the World Triathlon and seem to kind of contradict each other. Like it's quite um, strange the way that I guess World Triathlon being involved is a great thing, but also adds a layer of like, you know, I guess administration on there. So for example, that like we have to go through our national federations. Um, and so some, I have a good relationship with Triathlon New Zealand, but some athletes I don't think maybe even know their system like you know so um, i don't know what country it might be but some athletes might not have a clue what their um french i just read your little thing what their federation (laughs) uh what your federation uh even looks like so you know we have to get ecgs we have to get heart scans we've got to get insurance we've got to get all sorts of things like it is in world triathlon and then the policy document said like start lists come out based on world triathlon rankings but then the pto are saying a different thing so it's like quite confusing even for athletes sitting in that sort of like who it affects you know yeah so that's going to dovetail into my final hot take and this is you know we we have pretty good intel on on what this is going to look like but to give the listeners some context right in World Triathlon, for instance, for short course racing, the there are certain NGBs, national governing bodies, that take a lot of, uh, we'll call it autonomy or liberty on what athletes get into the races, right? And so there was the very clear uh, Instagram post that current world champion Beth Potter put out where she said, you know, she just became world champion and she said two years ago, British triathlon would not enter me into a world series race, even though I had, uh, the, the correct ranking, right? So there's these, there's these policies that certain NGBs will take to say, we can put this athlete in, we can pull this athlete out, we can substitute them, etc. The difference is, is that in long course, uh, you may hold a license for, from USA triathlon or triathlon Canada, but you don't, they don't oversee anything that you do. You're completely separate from that. So you pay the the license fee, which around a hundred bucks and away you go. What's happening now is that there's some NGBs that are realizing that these long course athletes are now under their umbrella and they have the ability to be a gatekeeper for them to get into races. So what we are hearing is that there's a, a nation that is saying, Hey, we understand that two of our athletes are permitted have that the T100 series has said they can go into this race and they've earned it but we the NGB has to grant them that final access and we are not going to do so and that could be because one they want to substitute another athlete two it's because the athlete hasn't submitted the proper uh, EKG paperwork uh, so i think this is something this is a 
I was very in favor of the alignment that the T100 series and World Triathlon have. I would say this is an unforeseen consequence of that partnership that needs to be ironed out because in the case of in the case of this nation that's trying to gatekeep here, I don't believe that these athletes are getting any benefit from the federation. Now I could be wrong on that and I'm happy to be wrong on that, but I don't see a world where the athletes are getting any sort of uh, benefit from the Federation before this point. After this point, that could change. But up until now, um, these two that I'm thinking about, they have nothing to do. They're, they're operating separately from the system. So I think this I layers into the fact of why we haven't seen a start list because the, the PTO and the T100 series are seeing some uh, – roadblocks that nobody saw coming and and i think this is we're in the early innings of this this story and it's going to keep happening um but but it makes it's it's certainly interesting that's crazy like (laughs) it's so annoying how like national federations just have that power right it's like yeah it's incredible yep so um, I think, you know, Kyle, so the equivalent, the equivalent, just let's just dumb it down real quick. So the equivalent would be say USA triathlon was like, Oh, Sam long, you cannot do this T100 race because they, they, we, because we say you, you haven't done X, Y, Z for us. Yep. Or whatever. You, we've created a policy that allows us to, they could say substitute. They could say you haven't, you know, the, the EKG paperwork is, is its own thing, right? Like I do, I I'm, in full support of that. Like if you haven't demonstrated your health, uh, that I, I think that that's something that I could pull you for. But, um, in this other case, you know, I think what they're thinking about doing is saying, Hey, we're, we're, those, those spots as they're in world triathlon races, those spots aren't athlete spots. They are country spots. So in this case, they're saying, Hey, look, Sam long, uh, that's not your spot. That's a spot for a U.S. athlete. You just happen that's, to have, that's for Trevor Foley. Actually, they could so. say they could say, "Hey, we're going to put Trevor Foley in because we got a lot of hype and momentum around him." So that's because Trevor won seventy point three Oceanside and won Ironman Texas. It's exactly that's exactly I think the uh, the scenario that we're in, and so it's a uh, it's that's it's fascinating. It's that fascinating, and I think we're going to be hearing and listening about it. Uh, on the ground in Miami when we're there next week, Kyle, and and it's uh, we're gonna have a lot to talk about the following show. Man, our um, and our policy too. There's a couple of things. Like one of them, I'm pretty sure it will be in most federations' policy is you have to be a good standing. You have to be in good standing with the national federation. So like if you've had like any kind of dispute or any fallout or court case, like the federation could be like, well, you don't, you're not in good standing. You've badmouthed us or whatever. We can just kind of, and maybe that was the reason they went into long course in the first place, you know? Yep. And the second thing was when I read the document was national quota, um, federate national federation quotas. And I'm pretty sure it's five like WTS. So if you have, five us women which you do you can't have a sick and i'm pretty sure that was in the document so like you know say like you know usa long course triathlon is just so strong and you know five of them show up and you know say for example chelsea sadaro wants to go and race because she didn't race miami and 
then she can't show up for California or, you know, and it's like because there's already five U.S. women in a U.S. race. That's crazy. That's insane. This governing body thing, it's, uh, it's quite the ordeal, isn't it? Now they're bleeding into long course racing. They see they see the writing on the wall. I think they see all the money that all the athletes are now getting, and they're the athletes are fleeing. And I think they're trying to pull that pull that money bag kind of back yeah. down. I, I don't know. I, again, I go back to I think the alignment between World Triathlon and the, and the PTO is is something that was necessary and 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 something that's very important for the integrity of the sport because we saw uh the rules being pretty loosey-goosey at the pto us open in milwaukee and i i think that it, this ultimately is very important but this is a i'm calling it again this is an unforeseen consequence that needs to be uh and will be ironed out so i have all the faith in the world there um that they're working on this and they're and they're working through it but some amazing stories that we're having in the meantime. That's spicy. What do you got? Here's another hot take. Do you think like, (laughs) you know, with your, we got got him. You're saying like world triathlon, they're so stringent with all the rules, you know, like if you're not at the briefing, then you're not starting, you know, kind of thing. Like if you don't do this, you don't do this. Like it's so like stringent. If you touch your helmet strap before you put your bike in the rack, then you're done. If you don't put goggles in the box, you're done. Like Hayden, for example, lost out on being world champion last year because he dropped his swim cap into the water by accident so like those small things that actually don't affect the race but it's kind of like a it's a it's a looks rule right so you got to put your stuff in the box so it doesn't look messy in transition sure but it doesn't affect the race and like it drives me nuts when like there's something that happens for example like in kona last year um the year before sorry in the men's race it's like you know there's like a discretionary rule for example like i was in the line i was like 25th in the line Clemé Mignon passes me and I'm like, oh, that's going to be a hard gig to get to the front. And fair enough, he worked his way up there, got to the front, and then the referee gives him a five-minute penalty. And I was like, I asked the referee, like, why did he get a penalty? Like, And she said, I didn't pass in time. And I'm like, that didn't affect the race, though. You know, like, I don't think penalties should be given out if they don't really affect the race. Like, I guess there has to be rules – but if it doesn't, like, for example, with Jan and his um, skin suit, it didn't affect the race at all, but it, optically it didn't look good. And so then it's kind of like, I think, you know, there should be, like, a discretionary level of that, like, for the referees. If it doesn't affect the race, if it's not intentional, if it's not, like, then they shouldn't have to give up penalties. But at the end of the day, it's an entertainment product we all want to see. And we don't want to race like Kona, like Magnus getting a penalty when – he accidentally rolled from 12 meters to 10 meters back to 12, which doesn't affect the race and an eight hour race. It doesn't affect yeah. in the slightest, but then it ruins his whole race in the five minute penalty, you know? Yeah. I can speak on this a little bit. I mean, I know it's a different sport, but I officiate, uh, like American football on the side during the fall. And there's a lot of times that we have conversations whenever games are close, the tie, the scores are tied or, there's certain situations within the game where it's like, okay, well, we're not going to call a pass interference call that we haven't been calling all game because someone touched someone else and it affects the outcome of the game as a result. So yep. there's a lot of times that that happens in American sports, I feel like, and I think sometimes people get offended by that. If it's American basketball, if there's a foul with 0.2 seconds left, like things like that that happen, I think that you also have officials that, feel and feed off that power and don't respect the game and respect the sport 
that they they think that they are the main character and they're not. Yeah, we've we've talked about this in other pods too. I think, and and Kyle, your example was right, and I've used the playoff hockey one before, where we're going to let you we're going to let you play here, and and do not be egregious, and and uh, uh, you know, I th- <laughs> again, I think that if you look at World Triathlon, they have a you know the the Hayden uh, cap thing was obviously something that they looked at, and and unfortunately, like I think they ruled on it correctly. Um, I, I think the sport ultimately, like if you look at the World Triathlon Rulebook, they they do a pretty great job of understanding the sport, and I think that they can navigate as the sport changes and evolves. and And for me, this is going to kind of go into race ranger because I think the biggest thing we've talked about is drafting, right? And I think there's we're going to see an evolution in that that process and the way that they're um, Got to get penalties from it. Though. The, the way that, use it, yeah, but I think use it. You got to give the penalties. But what they're going to give out, and this is going to be a hot. I mean, this is this is a hot take. Is where they're beginning to know and understand who the offenders are, and so they know they're capturing data, right? And they know who's going to be in the red, and they're going to be able to say, "Hey, look, we've got a great ability to forecast based on previous race data. We're going to put an official with." athlete a d and f because at past races they were big offenders and so we're gonna we're gonna see um that technology really move into it and and uh impact i think the racing in a very positive way so you know what started as a t100 hot take will finish as one they're using race ranger the 20 meter draft rule and the data they capture from it is going to ensure that we have some very fair racing in 2024 and beyond. The only problem with Miami though, Pat, and we can talk, touch on this again next week because we're doing the pre pre show, but <laughs> uh, Miami, that inner loop is so technical. Whenever I was there, when Jan raced in 21, dudes were literally like coming in like a seesaw. I feel like they're going to make that a neutral zone and people are going to lose their mind on the live broadcast about that. Kyle. Yeah. Like I think in, in Ibiza it was the same. Like it was sort of like between me and Alistair at the front of the race. And it was like, you can't avoid, but like you're coming into some of those roundabouts at 70, 80 K an hour and you just run up to the back of people by accident. And I think that's where the referees became kind of discretionary with that. They were like, okay, it's not intentional. Like you just, it's actually a safety point of view. Um, but yeah, I think like with race ranger, I know James really well. He lives, he's here in Wanaka too. So the owner of race ranger, and he was saying like the data that they've taken from race ranger is really interesting and they can obviously print it out after the race. And I think it was like Ironman Florida, he gave that over to Andrew Music at the time and was like, here, man, this athlete spent 45 minutes at two meters behind or whatever it was, you know? And they were like, wow, like if, if they're not being governed, then they are just sitting on that wheel right in front, even with Race Ranger. And Race Ranger actually has the ability, but isn't often implemented to have a live uh, thing. So like the referees can have a tablet, an iPad or whatever, and it can come up and say, look, in the last five minutes, athlete X has just spent five minutes sitting five meters behind the athlete in front. They can then 
it's how the rules are going to be implemented, but they can then take that and go, we're going to penalize that athlete or we're going to go and see what's going on. At the moment, they have to go and see what's going on. They've got, and then obviously like when a motorbike comes up, then they'll probably go back to sitting at 12 meters. But I think hopefully in the future, they can either like download that and send it off or, you know, do whatever. Yeah. Crazy. We got Kyle to give us some hot takes. I'm super pumped about that. Um, <laughs> Kyle, as you get ready for this season, can you just fill everyone in as far as, um, so maybe Singapore, I was going to ask you if you were going to do 70.3 Oceanside, but I guess it depends on Singapore and things like that. Um, what does kind of the rest of your races look like? And then tell us where we can follow your, your journey. Yeah, if I don't get Singapore, I'll go to Oceanside. I think Oceanside's a pretty special race. And so, yeah, I'll try and kick off my overseas campaign, Oceanside, if I don't get Singapore. We were debating doing the double, whether I do Oceanside and then go to Singapore, but it's, that's a lot of racing, a lot of travel. And then, yeah, I might go and do an altitude camp in Colorado and then off to, yeah, maybe St. George. So that'll be like the first block of racing probably. And then we'll see from there. Well, hit me up when you're in Colorado. I'm assuming you're coming to Mecca, which is uh, Boulder. And so plan for that. Um, yeah, I think just want to say thank you for coming on the show today. We did uh, 75 minutes flew by and, and we're, we're, we were thrilled to have you. So congrats on the season thus far and, and much more to come. And uh, I will message Sam and Dylan personally and say you're ready for Singapore. Good luck for the PTO <laughs> Chili Championships, mate. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to I'm gonna smash it here. I'm going to deliver the chili to the Teacher's Lounge uh, right now. And, yeah, just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, do us a favor. Submit any critical feedback to our Pro Try News Instagram account. We love to hear from you. And we're going to make sure that whatever feedback you have, Kyle doesn't take it as a personal attack. We're going to – we're just, we're just going to look at this together, and we're going to work on improving the show. So – as always, we've got a great year on tap. We're going to have the whole crew together at the T100 race in Miami. And we'd love to uh, answer any questions that you guys have and, and talk about anything that you think we're missing on the show. So thank you very much, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you for supporting our partners as well. If you're in Ironman New Zealand this weekend, swing by the Win Republic booth. Get yourself a race belt, socks, race kit, etc. Be sure to share this with someone you know and love. And-